Welcome to another episode of the Two Penny Podcast, where grit, passion, and wisdom collide. A transmission for entrepreneurs. David, how are you? Doing good. Hey, yeah. back in the studio again. Back in the studio. Yeah, feeling feel good. good about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's nice. Mm. Nice here. Yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about the American dream today, amongst other things. The quote-unquote American dream it means so many people to so many. So it means so many things <laughs> to so, many, so people. many people. Yeah, maybe it does mean so many people to a lot of things. <laughs> but uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about it and kind of chop it up because it's it's an interesting idea and it's been mythologized, a branding thing in politics for a long time yeah. now. What is the American dream? Is it somebody being able to come here and make a better life for themselves? Is it somebody that already lives here climbing the socioeconomic ladder? Is it somebody just being able to buy a house and have a family? Is that the American dream? Is it you having your dream job? It can mean so many things to so many different people. What does it mean to you, Mike? The American dream to me is the ability through your own desire and effort to climb the socioeconomic ladder and do better socioeconomically than your parents did because they set you up at a certain level. And through your efforts and your desires in your pursuit of quote-unquote happiness, you're able to create wealth that you can pass down to the next generation and enjoy uh, the fruits of your labors while you're still here. But in two generations, the American dream, the definition of it, in my opinion, is in two generations, you can go from poverty to wealthy in two generations if you're working in a very intentional way and you're investing and you're building businesses and you're setting up trusts and you're playing the game, the American dream is that ability to leave your children off better than you were and educate them in a way so that they can continue to build on what you've built. And the environment being here in the United States, despite all the craziness and that pendulum swinging politically back and forth and all the wild stuff that's taking place in this country, that version of it is still alive. Now, it might be harder than it was 50 years ago, and it might look different, but you can still, if you're willing to grind and put your head down, you can create wealth in this country that you can protect and pass down to your children and your family. To me, the American dream is very similar. It's being able to have the opportunity in a playing field that, you know, might not be completely even, but I can choose to pursue so much more than I can in any other place on earth. And at the same time, say whatever I want about anything while I'm doing that. And having so many countless opportunities to really be able to express your ideas which you can't do in a lot of countries. So, Mike, what do you think about those who emigrate from other countries 
to live the American dream. I think that those are the individuals that really embody it. And when they come here, they have such a juxtaposition in their experience from where they were, where their the opportunities were limited and they didn't have the ability to maybe move freely in the way that they wanted to in order to express themselves and express themselves in an economic sense to to do the things and to to generate the wealth that they felt that they could do if they were given the opportunity they come into this environment and they take advantage of all of that freedom and all of the opportunities that are there for them given their level of experience, their education, their work ethic, their attitude, their ability to communicate and network. For example, I knew a guy and I hope he listens to this podcast and he worked with me at uh, at a restaurant that I was the general manager of and he essentially fled Venezuela and he's from Venezuela, and his family fled, and they were able to get to Colombia before the whole thing collapsed like four years ago. And wow. there was hyperinflation, and people oh, that were stuck God. there were trading, you know, a pack of cigarettes cost you like the equivalent of, you know, $5,000 or something. It was like insane, the inflation. People were then, they were eating their animals and stuff. It got to that point, you know. So here's a person that, comes here and through his own hard work, vision, diligence, and ability to just make stuff happen, now he has a business that is thriving, multiple food trucks, uh, one or two brick and mortar restaurants. This guy's like 20 something. He's like in his late 20s. Nice. He came here and he said, this is what I'm going to do. And I can do it here. Yeah. Now, is it fair here and the obstacles that he faced compared to somebody that comes from quote unquote privilege? Is that fair? No, it's not fair. Uh, did he have a, an easy route to getting his business off the ground? No. But this is what I'm talking about. He embodies that spirit of hey, let's go. It's right here. I'm in the place where I can do it and it's going to be really hard and people are going to tell me I can't do it and people are going to look at me funny because I'm not this or that or because I'm from this background or that background. Who cares? This is what I'm doing, you know? And I've watched this guy in five years build this thing that people would have thought would have been impossible, would argue for this person on his behalf, this is too hard. We need to change things so that people like this can do this. Yeah. It's like, well, people like that can do it and they're doing it all over the place in this country. Regardless. The thing, the one thing that they all have in common is they spend zero time, zero minutes sitting there feeling sorry for themselves about what they look like or where they're from. They're here now. What can I do today to make this happen? And they go. And I saw this guy struggle through ups and downs and all types of stuff. I've sat down and had coffee with them and he just keeps pushing through, keeps pushing through. 
And now he has something and he's still pushing because he can, because no one is telling him, Hey man, your government's collapsing. You got to flee the country to survive. You can't start a business in that environment. And Venezuela for time and memorial had the highest standard of living in South America. And when things went sideways there, they really, really went sideways. So, you know, the American dream, despite all the political instability and all the silliness that takes place in this country, the, there is enough structure here that no matter how far the pendulum swings one way or the other, that uh, structure and system is in place that somebody can can thread the needle and get through and create opportunities for themselves. If you have the gusto. Yeah, I agree. I agree. My mom, when she was pregnant with me in South Korea, and to give that context, she grew up one of seven really poor, surrounded by rice paddies in a very small community. And I guess the story goes that my great-grandpa owned a lot of the land there, but he had gambling and drinking issues. So by the time my mom was growing up, one of seven, they were all sleeping in the same little room. Classic, right? Surrounded by rice paddies. This is the 50s and 60s in Korea. Um, So this is way before heavy industrialization. So, I mean, you go there today and it's like, oh, yeah, this is farmland still. But for her to go, oh, shit, I'm pregnant. And I want to be able to give my son all the, the maximum opportunity, like out the gate. And to her, this, that's having an American passport, right? Being the American. She ends up coming here, going through the whole process, all that. But, you know, I, uh, I'm born here. And she hustles in the meantime with her Korean community down in Orange County to figure out what kind of work she can get and... Long story short, over the course of five, ten years, right, this is kind of how I like to envision it, right? I'm born in 1994, and then it's about 2003 or 2004, and I'm in third or fourth grade, and I'm watching Chappelle's show, right? And it's that episode where Wayne Brady is talking about, you know, was Wayne Brady going to have to choke a bitch? The car that he was driving in that show to make him look like he was a baller was the same car that my mom had just bought. It was this Lexus RX 300. Kind of looks funny, but again, it's it's funny how they had the same sort of ideal of making it in terms of a car purchase, right? Which is such an, a such a classic American thing. So coming from poor, surrounded by rice patties, sharing food with her siblings, all sleeping, the nine of them in a single room, to be able to hold, to be able to be driving around in this car that Wayne Brady on TV is in to to show that he's a big baller. And here she is with the keys of that car driving around. Like that connection, that's the American dream. That's the American dream. She, she left her entire family to just come here by herself to be able to, one, give me the opportunity, and two, to experience what that's like. I, I love that story. There's so many stories like that, you know, and that's that's the thing. It's like there's entrepreneurs 
and people that are willing to hustle and grind and are creative and uh, have the the natural ability to do the entrepreneurial thing, the art and the science and the dance with the world, right? They're everywhere. You could you could go and throw a dart at a map of the world and hit Uzbekistan or somewhere totally random. And if you lined up 10 random people in that village, more than likely you would find a couple of people that are the entrepreneurs in the group, right? That are trying to figure it out. Like that mentality is everywhere in the world. It is a part of the human condition. And in Korea, in a village where you're surrounded by rice paddies, you have very limited options. You can work in the field, or you can go and get the water, or you can go and make the food for, be part of making the food for the village, or whatever you're doing, it's a handful of things versus you can come here. Your mom was in LA and she's like, oh my God, the, the things that I can do are endless. I can just continue to think of new ideas and go and go and go and look around us. You just go and look around and survey the landscape and what people are just doing Yeah, is endless. And uh, I'll say... And all the versions of all those things. Yeah, know? well, exactly. And that's what I was going to say because she came to America right after the LA riots and she put herself in the Korean community right after those LA riots. You know, where the... where the people are on the roof with guns trying to protect their business. Right. So she's coming into the landscape in all that turmoil. And it's way better than where she was coming from. It's way better than where (laughs) she was coming from. And it's, it was so tumultuous at that time and things are still happening because, you know, we had, we, we think we're, we're constantly embedded with all this crap right now trying to put us in a similar situation, but it's like, you know what? I step outside and it's not that bad, but for her to enter that environment and go, holy shit, what, what just happened with all this LA stuff and why, are, why is this happening? Why is that? And to still be able to go through that and orient herself, I mean, well... I mean, because even when this society in the United States is in a version of retraction or collapse... It's still, by the pure nature of the setup, it still is presenting opportunities that far exceed most places on the planet. Yeah. Because you just have the ability to move your body in time and space to where you want to go without anybody telling you you can't go there. Yeah. You know, it's like we're, we're creating constantly prisons in our own mind and we are creating the limits of oh well i look like this or i look like that or i come from here i come from there so i can't do that that's impossible for me now it's not impossible but it is different and i think unfortunately that the american dream the Uh, essence of it is deteriorating and that's an unfortunate thing and I think that it's a result of um, just where we are as a collective now in society 
we just have different values and we value different things and we're focused on different things. And the nuclear family has also been under attack for now a couple different, like a couple generations, probably Mm -hmm. 40 years. Um, But if you rewind and go back in time, another example is like my grandpa drove a truck and his version of the American dream was I'm going to wake up, do my job, do it really well. I have a wife, I own a house, I have four daughters and everybody's fed and everybody's doing great and we live in a suburb on the south side of Chicago and this is a hell of a lot better than where I came from which was in the city when he grew up with all his brothers and sisters. Yeah. Right? And his dad, whatever his dad did, he earned less than now what my grandpa was doing, so my grandpa came up. Yeah. And they were comfortable, right? Now it looks different, right? And that's on the collective mindset, that difference and that deterioration becomes very discouraging, I think, for a lot of people. And the fact of the matter is, like, instead of having four kids and one person work now and own a house, it's like, you have one kid or two kids, both people work, and you rent a house. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, you can still, if you grind and you understand how to get ahead, you can still go and own that house. And you can still have four or five kids if you really want to. That's still a possibility for you. Mm-hmm. But it becomes more difficult than it was 50 years ago. Yes. Under the deterioration that we've seen the slow deterioration over the last 50 years. So my grandpa, you could argue that he had a higher standard of living than the average guy today, Mm. because the average guy today driving a truck cannot buy a house for cash, support his wife and four children in a cushy suburb setting. Both of those parents have to work now and to have four kids, you can make it work, but it becomes untenable. (laughs) So, you know, it's those things that if you focus as an entrepreneur too much on that, the plight of being say in the middle class or Mm -hmm. where we're at right now, where the majority of people are at right now, economically, the plight and how that is unfair and all that you're wasting your energy. I think you told me this, Mike, but during the Great Depression, there were entrepreneurs and there were people starting businesses. But the information is like, it was miserable for everybody. Everyone was in plight except for the big banksters and this and that. And it's the same thing now. It's like always people starting businesses. It does not matter. It's irrelevant. And that's the type of person that is an entrepreneur. They look at what's around them and and they go, either... I don't care, I don't believe it, or it does not matter. I'm going to shape the world around me, regardless of what it is. And then it's fascinating. I got a a piece of really, really good advice uh, a long time ago, and this has stuck with me, and I've tried to keep this in mind constantly as I'm operating. 
Focus on your sphere of influence. Where can you have an influence and focus your energy there? And that's how you can get a return on energy invested an ROEI, right? Instead of the ROI equation. Because if you're focusing your energy outside of your sphere of influence, that is waste, by definition, that is wasted energy. You're looking at something that you have absolutely zero influence over. Even the things on your sphere of influence in your sphere of influence, you have very little control over, but at least it's in your sphere of influence. You still can't control it all the way to the end result. Very few things you have any control over. Um, So it's not even that. And I think that that's where people get discouraged. It's like, well, they don't feel like they can control anything and they feel like the world's going to hell in a handbasket. So they just throw their hands up. And I've been there. I, I've been in that mindset where I'm like, I can see all the ways that things aren't right. Yeah. From fiscal policy to the political thing to the way that things aren't super fair in the economy for all the different, uh, you know, people in it. As soon as I realize that, okay, yes, all those things are true and maybe I'm right about the analysis of the situation. It's not right. It's a bummer. Shift my focus. What can I do now to better my life? What can, what business, what kind of business am I interested in starting where I can be the best and I can have a competitive advantage and I can go and work my butt off to carve out market share and grind and leave myself better tomorrow than I am today. Where can I do that? Mm -hmm. And as soon as I shifted my mindset and my focus into that world, into staying in that world, I didn't look at the, you, I mean, I did not look at the news for like over a year. It seemed like, like people would tell me, I would hear about things that were going on. And I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. always, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's always the next thing because if I look at it, I'm going to have an opinion and then I'm going to have to go defend my opinion on Facebook or whatever. Remember those days? I do. You would get on and you would so re- read what somebody said and you could get, just go on and dice them up, yeah. you know, real quick. And then maybe somebody else come and dice you up and then you got to go back and get them. And it was like, for what? No policies are changing here, people. We're all just complaining. Meanwhile, hours and hours are being wasted Mm -hmm. while we're sitting here Mm -hmm. spouting our opinions about all this garbage. In the moment, it's fun. In the moment, you feel like satisfied and like you're being productive. Yeah. That's the danger in it. Mm. Well said. I think a key takeaway as an entrepreneur trying to be a balanced entrepreneur is that the American dream, some version of it, is still alive you create your American dream. You have control over that. And you still have the opportunity here to go and make that happen. Think about how much fun you're going to have while you're doing it. Because otherwise, why do it at all? It's not going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you can make it fun too, 
Well, good on you. <laughs> You've achieved it. That's it. You've achieved it mm-hmm. in that day. Yeah. I lived the American dream I like today. That. I did what I wanted to do. I got a little bit better and I had fun doing it. Always remember to stay hungry, stay humble, stay focused, stay balanced out there as an entrepreneur. Thank you for joining us where grit, passion, and wisdom collide on the Two Penny Podcast, transmission for entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm.